Thank you, Lord, for your word and all that it speaks to us. We pray now that our lives will be enriched as we study it tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, here's, here's the deal. You know, we're in, we've been in that time of year where we'll hit and miss on Sunday nights. Well, regardless of what we're doing, I go ahead and do the thing and get it prepared. And I, let me just cut to the chase. I jumped over Exodus 10, and I'm going to go back and do it. We did Exodus 11 last time, so pretend we hadn't done that yet. Um, we're going to do it to Exodus 10, but then when we get through with Exodus 10, I'm going to go ahead and read Exodus 11. It's only nine or ten verses long, something like that. I'll just read through it. And then we'll be ready for Exodus 12, God willing. Uh, so we are in Exodus 10. Isn't this how that starts? Exodus 10, you always said to Moses, come to Pharaoh. Okay, all right. Um, so here we go, verse 1. Yahweh said to Moses, Come to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, in order that I may place these signs of mine in his midst. Sovereignty of God. I have hardened his heart, not just his. I've hardened the heart of his servants. Why? Because I want to show something better than I've done so far. I'm not going to stop here. People are going to understand that I am the Almighty God. Now remember, Yahweh is just stepping on every god and goddess that they have with everything he does. He's just crushing them. Their god or goddess, whatever, which would be the deity of, of Egypt that would protect them from these plagues, Powerless. I think probably the purpose here is that the whole gamut of Egyptian deities are being dealt with. Okay, verse 2. And in order that you tell into the ears of your son and your son's son how I made a mockery of the Egyptians and that you tell of my signs that I placed in them and you will know that I'm Yahweh. Okay, second part of this purpose. The Hebrews, now this is happening in a fairly condensed period of time with regard to the fact that for, for now over 400 years, the Hebrews knew something about the God of Abraham and they had some, they had some things uh, recorded. You know, they, they had some writings that were preserved, I'm sure, but they, they still can't fully appreciate the greatness of Yahweh. I mean, we, even we can't appreciate it. We have the whole canon of Scripture, and we'll spend eternity renewing our appreciation for the greatness of God forever and ever and ever. It's an inexhaustible thing. Here, he says, I, you know, I'm going to raise this thing a couple of other times. Not only so that the Egyptians, who were, who were very arrogant and filled with pride, not only so the Egyptians can know my greatness, but so that you can know my greatness, and you'll know it so much that what I'm going to do to the Egyptians will follow the generations of Israel. And, and we talked about this, I think, some time back. Of course, they still celebrate Passover. This is still a, they still tell the story every time they gather for Passover. 
the herbs, all of that, everything they do is representative of something uh, that Yahweh did for Israel. So here's the purpose of the sovereign God, that people can grow a little bit in their knowledge of who he is and in their knowledge of the greatness of his power. Verse 3. So Moses and Aaron came to Pharaoh and said to him, So said Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go, and they will worship me. For if you refuse to let them go, behold, tomorrow I'm going to bring locusts into your borders, and they will obscure the view of the earth, and no one will be able to see the earth. And they will eat the surviving remnant which remains for you from the hail. And they will eat all your trees that grow out of the field and your houses and the houses of all your servants and the houses of all the Egyptians we filled, which your fathers and your father's fathers did not see since the day they were on the earth until this day. Therewith he turned and left Pharaoh. All right, the locusts are going to be so bad, they're going to darken the sky so that people can't even see where they're walking. Pharaoh's servants said to him, How long will this be a stumbling block to us? Let the people go, and they will worship their God. Don't you yet know that Egypt is lost? Thereupon Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh he said to them, Go, worship Yahweh your God. Who and who are going? Or how many, what all go? Moses said, With our youth and with our elders we will go. With our sons and with our daughters, with our flocks and with our cattle we will go. For it is a festival of Yahweh to us. So he, that is Pharaoh, said to them, So may Yahweh be with you, just as I will let you and your young children out. See that... Uh, see that evil is before your faces. Not so. Let the men go now and worship Yahweh. For that is what, whoops, for that is what you request. And he chased them out from before Pharaoh. So they were escorted out. Yahweh said to Moses, so you see, Pharaoh bargained. He was going to, okay, I'm just going to let this many go. You can't take your livestock. You can't take your young people. Just, just old men can go, you know. So Yahweh said to Moses, Stretch forth your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts, and they will ascend over the land of Egypt, and they will eat all the vegetation of the earth and all that the hail has left over. So Moses stretched forth his staff over the land of Egypt, and Yahweh led an east wind, and that's important, Yahweh controlled the east wind in the land all that day and all that night. By the time it was morning, the east wind had borne the locusts. The locusts, ascend, the locusts ascended over the entire land of Egypt. They alighted within the, all the borders of Egypt, very severe. Before them, there was never such a locust plague, and after it, there will never be one like it. They obscured the view of all the earth. The earth became darkened, and they ate all the vegetation of the earth and all the fruits of the trees, which the hail had left over. 
No greenery was left in the trees or in the vegetation of the fields throughout the entire land of Egypt. Pharaoh hastened to summon Moses and Aaron, and he said, I have sinned against Yahweh your God and against you. But now forgive now my sin only this time, and entreat the Lord your God, Yahweh your God, and let him remove from me just this death. So Moses left Pharaoh and entreated Yahweh, and Yahweh reversed a very strong west wind, and it picked up the locusts and thrust them into the Red Sea. Not one locust remained within all the borders of Egypt, but Yahweh hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the children of Israel go out. Now there's nothing left. There's just nothing left in Egypt. Um, we, we lived in Key West when Hurricane Wilma came. And Hurricane Wilma was the one that stripped all the trees, and that was the one that was so bad. Um, and it, there's, there's, there, there's nothing worse than an island paradise where practically all the leaves ripped off the trees. And, and then with the uh, surge... All of the beautiful lawns turned into moonscape. Uh, it, it was just horrible. It was terrible. It was a terrible thing. So there were still a few leaves here and there left. In this case, the Bible says there wasn't anything left. The locusts, strong wind, he brought them for wherever they were and kept bringing them. Sky was dark. They were all over the place. They were eating everything. Nothing was left. Pharaoh comes around, but he lied. Yahweh hardened his heart, and he did not let the children of Israel go out. Okay, now here, this is nut, spelled like nut. This is nut, the, the Egyptian goddess of the sky. It was Now, these are actual things off of ancient Egyptian things. Um... And you'll see, let's see, uh, where's my pointer? This is it, a laser pointer. This is her. She's the sky, okay? Newt. She covers everybody. That's her job. Her job is to make sure the wind is right and the weather is right and everything's just right. She's the goddess of the sky. She was very popular, very powerful in their minds. And so they had carvings and drawings about her and all their stuff. This is a drawing of Newt so that it shows these celestial wings that stretch out over all the land. She is the goddess of the sky. She didn't mean anything. He carried this east wind as long as he wanted to bring it in. And he brought so many of them, they darkened the sky their, their deity, their goddess, powerless against the power of Yahweh. So here yet is another deity of Egypt uh, that has shown to be nothing, absolutely nothing. Here's some more drawings uh, from, from the ancient rooms and places. Uh, this is a picture of her with her wings spread out. Uh, here, another drawing of how she spreads out across. She is the sky, in other words. And uh, here is yet another drawing. 
if you'll look, this is there's her feet, and she goes up here and comes around. That's the that's Newt, the Egyptian goddess of the sky. Yahweh said to Moses, Stretch forth your hand toward the heavens, and there will be darkness over the land of Egypt, and the darkness will become darker. <laughs> That's bad. So Moses stretched forth his hand toward the heavens, and there was thick darkness over the entire land of Egypt for three days. They did not see each other. No one rose from his place for three days, but for all the children of Israel there was light. In their dwellings. Well, now that'll tell you something, right? And how close are they to each other? Well, they're right there with them. It's the land of Goshen, which is just practically part of Egypt. Uh, they're just right there. Oh, yeah. It, it becomes obvious. Well, it has, it's, it has been obvious. Uh, you know, their, their animals weren't harmed earlier, uh, all that. Uh, so <laughs> it kind of tells you something when... Uh, when your your neighbors are are all dark and the other 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 people over there got got light, uh, you might <laughs> to to paraphrase, if your neighbor has light and you have darkness, you might be an Egyptian, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, so the darkness became darker. Well, now, what that means to me is that night was even darker than what it would be. Nobody got out. No sense getting out. I can't see where I'm going. Moses stretched forth his hand toward the heavens, and there was thick darkness over the entire land. Three days, children of Israel had light in their dwellings. All right. Here's the Egyptian sun god. He's a, he's a handsome devil. He's a handsome demon, isn't he? Uh, I, don't know, that's a, I don't know what kind of head that is. Yeah, I don't know. Jackal? Well, this is him in one place, but in these other two depictions, you'll see the sun sitting on top of him. So wherever he, he looks like he's in a canoe there. He's going across the Nile River with the sun sitting on his head. Uh, you might be an Egyptian if... Um, so he was a strong guy. He's Ra. Ramses is named after the sun god, and he and the physical manifestation of this great sun god was Ramses. Okay, uh, so this, but there's there's you know there's still there's still one bad thing left, uh, which will just trump everything else. But here in this case, the greatness of their sun god, the deity. I mean, if, if you can shut the sun off for three days and nothing twinkles at night, that, that means that, that you're, you know, they would have had a moon god, I'm sure. Abraham worshiped a moon god. Well, this is, this is God. It doesn't matter, sun, moon, stars, whatever. The almighty God is kind of kicking this guy around. He doesn't have any power. Well, he doesn't even exist. Pharaoh summoned Moses and said, Go, worship Yahweh. But, now here he goes, putting, but your flocks and your cattle shall be left. Your young children may also go with you. But Moses said, You too shall give sacrifices and burnt offerings into our hands, and we will make them for Yahweh our God. Now they had to have these animals to worship God 
in their way of worship, to offer sacrifices. And also our cattle, will, he says, we're not going to take ours. You're going to wind up giving us some of yours. And also our cattle will go with us. Not a single hoof will remain, for we will take, we will take from it to worship Yahweh our God. And we do not know how much we will worship Yahweh until we arrive there. So therefore, we've got to have them all. We've got to take all of it with us. We're liable to get happy and kill everything we have in worshiping God. Uh, so that was the message that he gave to Pharaoh. Yahweh hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he was unwilling to let them out. Pharaoh said to him, go away from me. Beware, you will no longer see my face. For on the day that you see my face, you will die. Thereupon Moses said, you have spoken correctly. I will no longer see your face. Okay, so here, here we've ha we have these other two mighty deities of Egypt uh, that, have, that have been disproven, shown not to even exist. All right, now we, we covered this last time, but let's just, let's just mosey through it quickly. Yahweh said to Moses, I will bring one more plague upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. And then he'll let you go from here. When he lets you out, he will surely altogether drive you out of here. Now speak into the ears of the people and let them borrow each man from his friend, each woman from her friend, silver vessels, golden vessels. Now we've covered this, so I'm, going, I'm not going to make a lot of comments here. I, I know you committed it all to memory, so I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to wear it out, you know. Um, Yahweh gave the people favor or charm or acceptance into the Egyptians' eyes. Also, the man Moses was highly esteemed, or he was great in the land of Egypt in the eyes of Pharaoh's servants and in the eyes of the people. So what does he say up here? Okay, borrow their expensive stuff. Get the fine china, you know. Don't let them give you paper plates. Get the best stuff they had. And I'm going to make it so that you're going to be so charming to them, they're going to want to give you everything and then some. And you're going to borrow it from them, okay? All right, so... I mean, I mean, Yahweh controls attitudes. He hardens. He can do anything he wants to do. There will be a great cry throughout the entire land of Egypt, such as there never has been and such as there never will be again. But to all the children of Israel, not one dog will whet its tongue against either man or beast in order that you shall know that Yahweh does separate between the Egyptians and between Israel. You remember that? This is not politically correct, but God makes a difference between people. God makes a difference. He has his own people, okay? That's what it says right here. Yahweh separates the Egyptians from Israel. Um, and all these servants of yours will come down to me and prostrate themselves to me, saying... Go out, you and all the people who are at your feet, and afterwards I will go out. Then he, that is Moses, exited from Pharaoh with burning anger. Yahweh said to Moses, Pharaoh will not heed you in order to multiply my miracles in the land of Egypt. Okay. Again, Yahweh says, it's not going to work out just yet because I'm still going to show my greatness. Moses and Aaron had performed all these miracles before Pharaoh, but Yahweh hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the children of Israel out of his land. 
Now, it's interesting how all of this is working together. The Israelites had, were given favor and acceptance to the Egyptians, and they borrowed all this expensive stuff, some of the best stuff in the houses of the Egyptians. Uh, they had it. <laughs> Egyptians won't ever get that stuff back. <laughs> we're going to see when they go, they're going to say, look, just keep it. Get out of here. I don't want it. Just take it with you. Go on. I'll work next year for another set of plates or something. Um, but, you know, they had a lot to do even after Israel. I mean, they had to regrow their crops. That was all messed up. A lot of fish had died when the river became blood. Um, these, these I, we'll say natural disasters, but they were acts of God. The plagues had decimated the economy. And, had, and had, well, by the time, of course, the firstborn is killed, they will have no pride left. They will not think of themselves as anything. They will just want Israel to leave and take your God with you, you know. What do you think the span of time for these ten plagues is? Two months, one month, ten weeks, three weeks? It would have been one right after the other, I'm pretty sure. But that said, there would have been the after effects, um, I'll have to research that, but I'm going to say probably we just saw darkness for three days, so there's three days right there. How long did it take for the east wind to bring those locusts in? I don't know. How long did the other, I would say we're probably looking at, I don't know, two or three months maybe, something like that. But there was a time before that because, you know, Moses came back and people weren't real happy to see him when he came back from 40 years. So there was a period of time there. Uh, I mean, this, these things were happening just like that, but they were, not, uh, they, they, were, they, they were not stretched out over a real long period of time. Uh, I'll have to do a little research on that and see, but I'm guessing maybe two to three months, something like that. Another question. Uh-huh. Is there any significance to the fact that God kept on hardening Pharaoh's heart? Yeah. To increase, to make a crescendo of the signs so that he would walk over every deity of Egypt and cover them all. And the last one is the great sun god. And then, of course, the firstborn if your deity can't control life, you have a worthless deity. And Yahweh says, firstborn. And then he says, but you, but you guys kill a, kill a lamb and put the blood over the doorpost. Firstborn, every animal, all this. I mean, you can imagine how significant that would have been. Uh, so to answer your question... At first, you remember, the servants of Pharaoh, the magicians of Pharaoh, were able to sort of mimic what Moses did. But then they got to where they said, we can't do this. And then they got to say, you're going to have to let these people go. And Pharaoh wouldn't. Pharaoh's heart continues to be hardened. So the whole thing was a display, albeit, in my opinion, just a... An, an, uh, an, uh, as my mother would say, an iota 
of the pie. I mean, this wasn't even a <laughs> this wasn't a flake of dandruff off of the Lord's scalp. You know, this was nothing. He could do anything. He made everything. So, but for the people in their day in those cultures, for them, about all they could take is what they saw here. Uh, and I think that's why each one of these keeps going. In order for it to happen, he had to harden Pharaoh's heart because it had to be a defeat as well of Pharaoh. Just to say, wasn't Pharaoh the last one? Yeah, he's the one. Yeah. yeah. And the reason his heart didn't. His, yeah, well, Pharaoh finally collapses into defeat because now we're talking about the firstborn. So it's kind of like dropping those bombs on Japan. I don't want no more of that, you know. Uh, well, let's just stop. Let's don't do that anymore. You you get into the you get into the realm of negative returns here, and and Pharaoh could have just lost his job. You know, I mean, they, there were more people out there than there were soldiers of Pharaoh. Uh, so you know, Pharaoh, but but God released him from the hardness of that heart, just so that the people could go. But he hardened his heart again. And he chased them. You know. Now, now, how great was that as well to separate the Red Sea and then to collapse it? I mean, Egyptian power was broken when he lost his chariots and all this stuff. It, it, what, what, what else did he have now? His economy is gone. He has no way to try. One of the big deals, if you read, if you read the history books, uh, the, Egypt had big trading partners, you know, the Hittites at one point in time and, and uh, the Ethiopia. It's not the Ethiopia of today, but the Ethiopian Empire uh, was was big trading partner for a while with Egypt, uh, others as well. So, this you know they had goods and services that just like today they had to be able to put these things on the market. and They'd lost all that. They lost so many horses and oxen. So you know the way to pull to the you know cargo to carry cargo somewhere. Uh, they had to grow a whole new generation of animals. Um, their food supplies, their the, the grains, things that not only they would consume, but they would they would trade with it. Um, the loss of the Nile River there for a while. Uh, all these things just keep multiplying. And I would say that if we studied it out real, we would see that every facet of Egyptian life was taken away from them. Thus, oh yeah, yeah. When they were so weakened, what was the idol altars? Who came up and rose over Egypt? Well, if you if you there were there were the uh, okay there were the Assyrians after Egyptians. As a matter of fact, finally at Carchemish, the power of Egypt was broken by Assyria. At the Battle of Carchemish, that's I think that's the battle where Josiah died, King Josiah, um, and Assyria displaced Egypt in that part of the world. Now, I don't know what was happening in the Far East. What kind of, you know, they were very introverted and they were not that anxious to go out and 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 do things like the Egyptians were um, at that point in their history. So you don't ever hear anything about the East, the Far East. Uh, or the Incas, or whatever might have been happening in in uh, the Western world, you know, the Bible focuses on the Middle East. There, the Assyrians displaced the Egyptians, and then the Babylonians displaced 
the Assyrians and you know Daniel's the, the, the image of gold the statue and all that so that today it's the toes we're the toes of that statue so Egypt never really recovered mm -mm. no never did however interestingly enough Egypt is not destroyed Egypt apparently is still a nation in the millennial kingdom uh, which to me is interesting uh, considering their history and so forth um, but uh, their, their power they had skirmishes with the Hittites for example let's see the Hittites would have been to the north uh, east I guess of of Egypt and the Hittites were were you're, you're getting up into southern Turkey and and I, that those the, the Hittites were very powerful as an empire, but they were so far away from Egypt that they're except for maybe trading, they never really clashed until in the days of the judges. In the days of the judges, if I remember my history correctly, Egypt and the Hittites had war, and there was one or two battles that the Hittites actually defeated the Egyptians and sent them back to Egypt. I think it was when Egypt was trying to move forward into land that the Hittites would have claimed, or they would have seen Egypt there as a danger to their, their empire. So, and the Ethiopians also were very powerful in the days of Egypt, and it was, according to Josephus and other historians, it was Moses who led the campaign against Ethiopia and defeated Ethiopia. Thus, he had an Ethiopian wife because she helped him with some intel on how to get into the city. The city was surrounded by a swamp which was full of thousands of little poisonous snakes. So, you, you know, how are you going to march your soldiers and your horses draw the chariots through waist-high swampland while you're getting bitten by poisonous snakes? It's not going to happen. Uh, but, you know, the story is that his men, they had surrounded the city, but they couldn't, the, the capital city, they couldn't do anything, but they happened to see a girl come out and, and gather some something and take it back in, and Moses said, when you see her do that again, catch her. And the secret was to get uh, some kind of stork, some kind of bird, and flood the area with those birds, they would eat the snakes. And the path would be cleared then for Egypt uh, to move into and conquer the city. And that was one of the, according to the historians, that was one of the great victories of Moses when he came back and brought all these gifts from Ethiopia who had surrendered and, and so forth. But up until that time, Ethiopia was a powerful kingdom as well, like, like Egypt, but nobody compared, really, to Egypt. I don't know if I answered your question or not. Okay. All right. Well, we, we, got through, uh, ver we got through chapter 10 for the first time and through chapter 11 for the second time. <laughs> so we're ready for chapter 12, God willing. Uh, next time, let's pray. Father, we marvel at your power. And even in a day like today where our knowledge seems to be advanced and a world that's really even more arrogant than Egypt was, 
Yet still, it would be such a simple thing for you to display your power. And I know that very soon you will. So, Father, we, we thank you for the salvation that is ours, for Christ our Lord, who's coming again as King. Bless us and help us to spread the gospel on the strength of what we know through your precious word. In Jesus' name, amen.